Hello, this is Augustus and Tony Corbett, and you're listening to the Marriage Minutes Podcast. Where we use biblical principles to enhance marriages and eliminate divorces. For the next 30 minutes, get ready for lots of laughing, learning, and loving. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Marriage Minutes Podcast. Pastor Augustus and Tony Corbett, we're excited to be with you all again today. And before I introduce my lovely wife, let me just say she and I, we apologize for taking so long to do this part two of this Handling Conflicts podcast that we have been doing. Uh, But nonetheless, we're back and we thank God that we're back. And that said, hello, sweetheart. Hello. It's good to be back with you. Yes, it is. So we're going to do part two of this Handling Conflicts podcast. Um, before we do, how have you been? I'm doing well, praise the Lord. I'm so grateful I'm doing well, considering everything that's going on in the nation and in the world, but I'm doing well. And you're always looking well. So that's a good combination, doing well and looking well, looking fine to be exactly. So Thank you, thank you, thank you. Absolutely. So we're going to get into this. Uh, what, 30, going on 33 years of marriage? We know a thing or two about handling conflicts. Yes, yes, definitely. As I said in our part one, it's not a matter whether you're going to have conflict, but when you have conflict. Because um, two people are coming together, two different people. As we said in part one, We're not clones of each other. We have different personalities, different temperaments, um, coming from different backgrounds a lot of times. So conflict is going to be inevitable. I always like to say, as Jesus said to his followers, in this life, you will have tribulation, tests, and trials. So when you get married, you're going to have some conflict, but it's how you handle those conflicts is what matters. Well, can we start out? You, you're going to, you know, you're going to teach this. I'm just going to be here for the ride, so to speak. But um, I wonder if you can start out by giving us a definition of what conflict is. Sure. And some of this will be review. So I encourage everyone, if you haven't listened to part one of this um, topic, go back and listen to part one. But the uh, definition of conflict is to be different, opposed, or contradictory. It is to clash or to have a disagreement. That would be the definition that we're using. To uh, be different, opposed, or contradictory, to clash, and to have a disagreement. So now that we have the definition, we also, in part one, we talked about the causes of these disagreements or the causes of clashes of the causes of having uh, different opinions on matters. And some of the causes of conflict that we went over in part one included what I had said before. We are two different people. We are two different genders. We're not clones of each other. And another cause of conflict could be selfishness when one party one partner is demanding to have his or own, her own way. Another cause of conflict can be when one spouse 
is not giving the other spouse enough attention. For instance, uh, one spouse could be working too many hours. The couple is not spending quality time with each other. You know, we've heard the slogan, you know, the husband is hanging out with the boys. Or the women, the wives are always out shopping or whatever with her girlfriends. Another cause of conflict could be money problems. Not enough money to pay bills. That's a big one. That's, that's a, big a one. real big one. Yeah. In fact, they said that was the leading cause of divorces at one point in time, financial issues. Well, in fact, that reminds me that we are living during this COVID-19 pandemic and a lot of people are out of work. I think some 12, 13 million people are still unemployed. A lot of people are living uh, kind of from paycheck to paycheck, hand to mouth, um, depending on unemployment benefits. Um, and I think Congress failed to to reach any kind of agreement on some more stimulus, you know, money for folks who are out of work. So I can only imagine the tension that a lot of couples are experiencing from finances. Yes, it's really a critical uh, point in this day and time. And my heart and prayers go out to all the couples and the families who are experiencing just challenging times. And uh, with this pandemic going on, not of any fault of their own. I mean, they just got laid off. Uh, businesses had to shut down. Um, the um, services that businesses were providing, there were no need for them any longer because people were sheltered in. Um, and I just heard that the airlines are looking to furlough, I mean, tens, tens of, of thousands. thousands of people. So this is a real critical time for couples. So that's why we hope that we can say something today to help you all navigate through these hard times and hardships. Well, another thing that's going on too, Tony, is there is a lot of, there's an uptick in spousal abuse. Yes. Um, and an uptick in child abuse, right? Yes. So why do you think that's happening? Uh, primarily the, the pandemic? Yes, I think primarily the pandemic because when people are in pressurized situations, you know, your circumstances change for the worse. If you don't have some good um, tools and resources and know, to know how to handle these situations, then you lash out. You do what only you know to do, and that is to get angry. And then you take your anger out on the people closest to you, your wife, your husband, your children. So um, definitely, I heard one emergency room doctor say that he has seen an increase of people coming in due to domestic violence, not just gunshots. I think this was in Chicago, not just from the black on black crime, so to speak. But he said since this pandemic, a lot of domestic violence victims have come into the ER. And then children being abused or neglected has also risen because of the situation that families find themselves in. So hopefully we can uh, say something. Hopefully we can give them some direction where they can reach out to people who can help them um, navigate through this difficult time. And that is, you know, the pandemic is not the only reason that that's causing conflict in marriages. 
Uh, we also, on the in the last episode, we talked about allowing outside people to have too much say in the relationship. We talked about differences in how to raise and discipline children. And uh, we talked about sometimes couples, you know, co- having conflict over ex ex-girlfriends, ex-boyfriends, ex-fiancés. Yes. Uh, you know, past stuff, infidelity, all kinds of stuff. And emotional affairs. And we know that that's also on the rise with everyone who's online. There are a lot of, um, I can't say a lot, but there are some some couples who have experienced this where their spouse will get engaged in an emotional affair, you know, with someone that they meet online. So that's another. And, um, by, and by the way, Jesus said that's just as bad as you doing it physically. Exactly. He sure did. You know, adultery in the heart. He, he certainly did. So that definitely will also cause a conflict. You know, we're, we're going to have um, a lot to say about infidelity in some, in some future episodes. You know, how to, how, to, how to see it, signs of it, you know, how to come back from it. You know, if possible, um, I'm I'm looking forward to that. So, but go right ahead. You're doing a great job. Uh, you're the um, you're the sort of the social scientist in the family. So, this is right down your alley. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. I work with um, I've worked with families in crisis and conflict for many years now. So we went over briefly the causes of conflict, and we also, in the last episode, we talked about the four stages of conflict. We named four stages that you and I had developed um, the concept, and those four stages were casual conflict, constructive conflict, crisis conflict, and chaotic conflict. And just to briefly go over the two that we mentioned last um, episode, we mentioned there's a casual conflict. And we define that as the everyday common disagreements, you know, where we're going to go out to eat, uh, what color should the carpet in the house be, or what color car do you want, what size house to buy. How many children? How many children, (laughs) yes. I mean, that was. I remember that was a small issue with us because... I wanted a whole lot of children. I wanted as many as I could get. And you were like, nope, two yes. is what you get. Yes, that was a conflict. <laughs> yes. That was a casual, casual conflict. conflict. That's right, yeah. It didn't cause our marriage to end, thank goodness. It didn't even cause us big issues. Right, that's right. So this casual conflict can be settled with some compromise or negotiating. You know, it shouldn't be earth shattering. You know, once the decision is made, everyone should be able to just move on. Okay. We got that settled. Let's, let's move on. Well, you know, back to the thing of us, you know, trying to decide how many children we wanted to have. I think one of the things that kept it at the casual conflict level, I don't want to jump ahead when we start talking about how to solve these conflicts. But one of the things was it was something that we discussed before we got married and came to a resolution. Yes, and I'm glad you mentioned that because so many times, couples, for those of you who may be listening who are not married yet and you're in that engage uh, phase of your life, you know, you you have an engagement with someone, please discuss these matters before you say, I do. 
don't let your relationship just be all ooey, ooey, gooey, gooey. Discuss, you know, important topics so you all can come to an understanding before you actually say the marriage vows. I, I give that as godly wisdom. Yes. And we're going to talk, have a lot to say about that uh, when we talk about how to cure these conflicts. Yes. So the first stage of conflict we named was casual conflict. The second stage was constructive conflict because all conflict doesn't have to be bad and it doesn't have to end in a, a poor outcome. So we said the constructive conflict is more serious than casual conflict. It would need both spouses attention for things not to escalate. So both people have to be attentive to this conflict so that it doesn't get any worse. And in this stage, it can be um, a type of conflict that can really strengthen and enhance your marriage. I was reading the book, uh, Men Are Like Waffles and Women Are Like Spaghetti by Bill and Pam Farrell, I'm sorry, F-A-R-R-E-L. And they said, successful couples learn the secret of fighting for their relationship rather than against one another. So in this type of constructive conflict, and we went over That's this powerful, last time. By the way. Yes, you can learn how to use the conflict um, not to fight against one, one another, but rather fight for your relationship. Man, that's good. Your relationship is worth fighting for. That's good. So please keep that in mind. So you're not fighting each other. You're both fighting for the relationship. For the relationship. So that gives you motivation to resolve the conflict. So you actually come out of the situation having grown. Yes, exactly. Right? Having grown, having established... Perhaps you needed some better boundaries or rules or goals, but there's some positivity that has come out of that conflict that you had. Yeah, I call this the, I like to think of this as the, the, um, uh, the gooey, the good feeling type of conflict because as we talk about this kind of conflict, it, 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 I get a warm feeling inside. Yes. You know, taking, taking conflict and turn it into something constructive. Yes. You know, fighting for the marriage. You know, that is that is so good. That's so powerful. Yes. And that's where we left off, I believe, from um, yeah. part one episode. So now we're going to get into some new material, you all. And since we're on the four stages of conflict, the third type of conflict that Augustus and I named was crisis conflict yes now as you see we're escalating these conflicts so the third one is crisis conflict and crisis conflict is when the relationship has really reached a critical point yeah you know maybe smaller issues have gone ignored or have been dismissed by one or both spouses and now that situation has reached a boiling point. Yes. Crisis conflict can be just one major incident that was so egregious or so offensive to a spouse that it causes for immediate intervention or action. 
Some examples could be adultery or domestic violence or if the family becomes homeless. That's a crisis conflict. You are really in crisis if you are experiencing adultery in your relationship or domestic violence or you know you just got foreclosed on your home or in a, an eviction from your residence. That's a critical point because it calls for an immediate intervention. Exactly. And it also calls, calls for um, decisions. Yes. Engagement. Yes. Uh, this cannot be ignored. This requires attention. It's like having, it's like having a, a red alert button. Okay. And that button is red and this, and this beeping and chirping, which means if you don't give this some attention, if you don't engage, and if you don't make some decisions, there is serious danger right ahead of you. Yes. And your marriage is going to hit this danger and it may crash. So. Absolutely. And it can be, you know, one major incident, but like I said prior, it can be smaller issues that have gone, you know, um, unnoticed or have been ignored, you know, and it has just reached a, a boiling point because sometimes people's tendency is just to act like something doesn't exist. You know, like we don't have any problems. Whereas you do have some problems that you are ignoring. So sometimes that can also happen and cause you to be in a crisis conflict. If I can, let me read a definition for the word crisis. Um, it, and I'm reading a definition from the Merriam-Webster dictionary. And it says, a crisis is the turning point for better or worse. It is the decisive moment in a, in a matter. It is an unstable or critical or crucial time or state of affairs in which decisive change is impending. Um, a situation, as you said, Tony, where uh, a critical phase has been reached. Yeah. If, yes. If, if, if this is not resolved, if this is not taken care of, then you're probably looking at divorce court. Yes. And some other examples, you know, we said adultery, domestic violence, homelessness. But what if you're a couple and you're no longer being intimate with one another? Hmm. You know, that, that's a crisis. That's form. a crisis, yes. I mean, you can't... Especially for men. Especially for men. <laughs> but nowadays, women too. I, I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, so if you, you can't just ignore that. Well, no, we're still together. We still, you know, working and we taking care of the bills. But if you all are not having, you know, the intimacy that that married couple should be engaged in. Yeah, something's wrong. Something is wrong. Yeah. You may not realize, but you are at a critical point. Because that is not natural for to be married and not to engage in regular consistent sex, you know, unless there's some medical and other issues going on. So, and some people would tend to ignore that. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, sudden, you know, it's like, boom, you are there. 
and somebody's talking about divorce. Yeah, I always in counseling perk up when I hear that there's been long periods of no intimacy. I know that this is a marriage that's in trouble. Yes. Okay. We have counseled couples like that. Absolutely. Yes. The marriage is in trouble because when you love one another, you desire to be intimate with each other. When, when you find the other one attractive, um, when there's no outside interference, you definitely want to come together physically. Yes, that's um, exactly so, right. So like you said, uh, uh, except where there is some sickness, some kind of disease or something going on, there should be regular intimacy in that marriage. And if not, there's an issue. And, and, and let me say that intimacy doesn't necessarily mean sex, right? I mean, right. most of the time that's what it means. But you and I, a few months ago, we started uh, a practice of just simply saying good morning when we wake up. Uh, because we noticed that we had gotten into a routine of getting up and and, and going out separate ways, go pray or go exercise or go start work. You know, I'm usually up working early in the morning. Yes. And 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 we kind of, you know, we're just just <laughs> just moving opposite directions. <laughs> and, and and with you know, without 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 a good morning. And and I asked the question one morning, I said, Hey, where did the good mornings go? You know? And so ever since then, we have I made make it. I sure I say good morning. And I do too. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. No matter how I wake up that morning, I put a smile on my face and say good morning. Yes. So we have established that habit now. Yeah. I, I developed a saying from that. It, when the good mornings are gone, the goodbyes is, are on the way. Yes. You know, and so that was good. Yeah. I mean, uh, so intimacy is something as simple as that. As simple as that. Good morning, sweetheart. Yes. That's what we are doing. So you are so right because we want to avoid as many types of conflict as we can. So um, we said three. We went over casual conflict, constructive conflict. Crisis conflict. Before we move on to to um, the next the, one, the next one. Mm -hmm. just this past week, I heard about a man who, a husband, a father, who killed his wife because they were in a dispute, in a family law dispute. And I know a little bit about that because... Chloe and I, in our law practice, we represent people in family court. And those are very, very, very emotional cases. Very, I mean, there's, they're in court because there's conflict there. That's right. And how heartbreaking it was to hear that this father murdered, allegedly murdered his wife. And now that one-year-old child is probably going to grow up without either parent. 
Yes, because I believe you said it was over custody. It was over custody. It was a family law Mm -hmm. custody matter. That's right. And so apparently some conflict was was never resolved, okay? It was never taken care of. And don't go into family court, and I don't want to jump ahead, but don't go into family court expecting to resolve your issues. The court system is not there for that. Okay, it's mm-hmm. not built for that. Um, so, but it was just sad hearing that, Tony. Yeah, it was really sad hearing that. I, that I don't know how. I I can't fathom someone doing that. Allowing the conflict to to get to that person, and I believe it was the husband or the ex husband. It was the husband. To that degree that he went and killed the wife, because you know they were having conflict over custody of their daughter. And now the daughter is without the mother. Well, I don't know if it's daughter. I just it's okay, just child, child. Yeah. one year old child. Yeah. And then the the child now the child's father has to go through all the legal, you know, um, the legal system. Well, yeah, I mean it's it's just horrible because the, the if the if the father is convicted of murder, he's probably going to prison for a long time. The mother is dead. So was he really thinking about the child when he took these alleged acts, actions? Right. And that's why, you know, we went back to some of the causes of conflict can be selfish, selfishness and demanding to have your own way. You know, that's at the root of a lot of conflict. The spouse is just demanding, no, I'm going to have it my way. Yes. And they'll go to extreme measurements to get that done in some cases, and that's an extreme measurement. And so I, so I wanted to just highlight before we left that this couple had, at, apparently, they were at a crisis point, but they did not resolve it correctly. Decisions had to be made because they had reached this crisis point, okay? And unfortunately, the husband made the wrong decision. That's exactly right. So that's why we're warning to try to help couples learn how to resolve conflict in a more proper way, in a more positive way. It can be done. Absolutely. Now, before we go on, we, we need to take a quick break and we will come back in just a, mo- a moment. But we want to uh, remind, we want to play a, a commercial of... Um, uh, of, a, of a ministry that me and a, and a couple of brothers have started called Cushham. Cushham. And Cushham is an acronym that stands for Churches United to Save and Heal African American Men. And that, that ties right into this, right? Absolutely. Um, it ties right into this because, because we are trying to bring a million black men to Christ so that those brothers and then disciple those men so that those men can become the husbands and fathers they need to be and hopefully avoid the kind of behavior that this man allegedly took. So we'll be back in just a quick moment. Okay. The challenges confronting African-American men are numerous. For example, homicide is the leading cause of death for 15 to 34 year old African-American men and African-American men also face police brutality, unemployment, poverty, homelessness, mass incarceration, and much more. In a nutshell, systemic racism targets African-American men. But we have great news. 
there's a place of refuge, a place that will encourage, equip, and empower African-American men. That place is the African-American church. The African-American church? Yes, that's right. The African-American church. There's a new movement afoot in America. A growing movement of African-American clergy is revamping and reimagining the African-American church to attract African-American men. We call this movement Cushham. Cushham stands for Churches United to Save and Heal African-American Males. The mission of Cushham is to take the kingdom of God to 1 million African-American men by 2025. For more information on this new spiritual movement, please visit Cushham.org. That's C-U-S-H-A-A-M dot O-R-G. We must act now. Please get involved. All right, we're back and thank you for holding on. And yes, please go to Cushyam.org to get more information on this organization. Um, it ties in beautifully with what we're talking about right now. If we can bring more brothers to Christ and disciple those brothers and get them engaged in church, we can stop the kind of, of domestic violence and other things that we're seeing that are destroying black families. So um, I hand it back over to you, sweetheart. Okay, uh, so we're moving on from crisis conflict to the last type of conflict that we defined is chaotic, chaotic conflict, chaotic conflict. And that is when there is no more order in the marriage. It is in total disarray. I'm sure that that was the situation with this brother that we just mentioned. Obviously, it had to. It had become so chaotic, a lot of chaos going on, confusion of mind and all of that. And some of the characterizations for the chaotic conflict could be when a spouse get the, gets the throwing plates, you know, or other items at one another, when you're screaming to the top of your lungs and, you know, your neighbors can hear you and they end up calling the police or their physical altercations and violence in the home where someone may have to lock themselves in the bathroom or the bedroom because the other spouse is so violent and so angry. Um, some of the other ways that you can identify if you're in a chaotic conflict could be you're sleeping in separate rooms, you know. There's ongoing, unrepentant adultery, you know, not just one instance of, of adultery, but ongoing, unrepentant adultery. And another thing that I thought of was drug addiction yes. by one or, more, uh, or both spouses. If you are drug addicted and your mind is in an altered state all the time, then that, that's, that is going to perhaps cause some chaos. You know, because if you're drug addicted, you have to have money to buy drugs. And if you're using your money on drugs, you're not using your money to pay your mortgage or your rent or buy food or diapers for the baby, or you are stealing and then you end up with criminal charges. I mean, it just escalates. So uh, drug addiction can be another uh, characterization of something that can cause chaos in a marriage. Alcoholism. Alcoholism. Yes. 
Uh, so those are some examples that I thought of. And at that point, when you were in a chaotic conflict, the marriage relationship is essentially over unless there is real, and that's with capital R-E-A-L, real change of circumstances, or unless you get some professional help or spiritual help. If you don't get that and your marriage is in a chaotic conflict, then essentially your marriage is pretty much over yeah. at that point. And I like to underscore the fact that some couples definitely need professional help. Um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not at all averse to sending, recommending, or referring couples to someone who has the training, the knowledge, and the background um, to offer professional counseling. Something that I'm not equipped to do uh, in that area of marriage and 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 uh, relationship and family. There are people who have studied this and know all of the the insights and so forth. Now, you know, as a pastor, I certainly can offer the spiritual counseling, and I can show what the Word of God says, and that can that can solve a lot of issues. Yes. Tony. Yeah, I remember. You remember the the great. Um Bless uh, Pastor Price's heart. <laughs> That's one of the things he said. Um, Apostle Frederick K.C. Price, he said he could cut out a lot of his marriage counseling because, you know, the couples who would come to him, they are both believers. He said, just do the Bible. Yep. Just do the word. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and you don't have to come and sit in front of me yep. wanting some counseling. If yep. both people did the word of God then they could resolve a lot of conflict. Exactly. But yeah. I understand what you're saying. If you could have two believers who are not really committed to the word of God and they need some professional help, or you can have one, one spouse who is a believer and the other spouse is not a committed believer, which can cause some conflict and they may need to go and get professional help if they're yeah. not willing to, to do what the Bible says. I mean, sometimes you got folks who love God but they have soul issues. They have issues in their emotions, issues in their in their uh, um, psychic psych and their and their what, what is it psychic psychic. Mm -hmm. Okay, I, I'm just a little reluctant to use that word psychic, I mean, okay. not in the sense in their psych psyche <laughs> psyche, but in their mind psyche. Their yeah, psyche. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah psyche. psyche. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean. It's and, uh, you know, baggage, um, they're bringing baggage from their childhood. So many people have been traumatized as children. You know, all of that comes into all play of that. if you have not resolved those issues. Every bit of that comes in, in a marriage. You got every bit of that going on oftentimes. And and my only point is a a a pastor who loves God who ha who knows the word of God may not have the skill set to help get to the root of some of those issues now it is right what Dr. Price said that you just reminded us of and that is if people just do the word but sometimes <laughs> folk need help being able to do the word that's right that's <laughs> you <exactly> know? right <laughs> okay it's like yeah like Paul said um uh you know, I, I will, I desire to do the word, but, but there's something in me 
that 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 just won't let me. Right. And, and you know the hardliners, you know the hard sanctified folk would say, "Well, that's your flesh. You just need to crucify your flesh. <laughs> you just need to you just need to crucify. You exactly. just need to get saved a moment. Right. You need to just get on your knees and call on the Lord. Every bit of that is true, but sometimes sitting down with a professional, I put it this way: if someone says to me in counseling that they have suicidal thoughts. I'm pretty much at that point, I'm going to pray for them hard. I'm going to rebuke devils. I'm going to do all of that. But I am going to get them to some professional help at that point. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I agree. I totally agree. And we need to say this, especially if we have um, um, African-American couples listening to us because in our community and culture, it seemed to have been such a um, stigma. If you receive professional that's what I'm saying. Yes. Help, no, no, no. Sometimes you need someone who is professionally trained to help you sort through all of this baggage or all of these negative experiences that you may have been a victim of as a child to help you just sort through all of that or to give you some coping skills as to how to handle when something triggers you from your spouse and it takes you back to your childhood or whatever the situation may be. Well, in a moment of transparency here, I, hope, I feel strongly about this because um, when I was a freshman in college, before I got saved, I think, yeah, it was before I got saved, I went to see a psychologist a few times and um, I was required to actually um, I was at ANT I was behaving like I was crazy and, and when I say that I let me be serious I'm not saying because you know folks that take that word and, and think I mean I was out you know hollering on campus or something <laughs> and, you know no no I was behaving I, my conduct was not becoming of a college student, okay? And the school said, okay, we're kicking you out of here. And they kicked me out, okay? Mm -hmm. I, was, I was expelled from, from A&T. And before they would consider allowing me to come back in, they required that I had to go get a psychological test. And I was like most black men, I, man, I, I ain't nothing wrong with me. What y'all, you know, all that, I ain't all this. <laughs> Well, fine. Then you don't even we don't even consider you to come back here. Right. So I humbled myself and I found me a, a psychologist in Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, I'm from that area. And uh, I went scheduled an appointment with him. I can still see his face to this day. I might have told this story on our last episode, but um, I share it to try and help somebody. Um. And I went and talked with him. I remember it cost me $75 a session. Never forget that. Mm -hmm. And I was defensive when I first sat down with him. I, I'm like, I'm only here just to get a letter from you so I can get back to school and this and the other. I ain't got time for this and you can't help me. I mean, uh, all that. And and he was very professional and nice and and he knew how to to overcome my defensiveness. He expected it. He was trained. Mm -hmm. And Tony, in about 15, 20 minutes of me sitting down and talking with this guy, 
I pretty much don't remember the rest of it <laughs> because all the stuff that I had been holding mm-hmm. flooded out of me. Yes. And I literally just sat there and wept for like an hour. And through the tears, I began to just unload and and let it all out. Mm-hmm. And he just pulled it all out of me. And, and um, when it was all over that session, you know, I was like, whoa, what just happened? He's like, no, no issue. Don't, you mm-hmm. know, just I look forward to talking with you next week. Went back next week and he just kept right on pulling it out and pulling it out. And after about four or five sessions, he said, I am more than happy to write this letter for you. And he wrote me a very nice letter to A&T. I don't remember the specifics other than him saying, there is nothing wrong with this young man. He has just had some issues growing up mm-hmm. that he hadn't talked to anyone about. Right. And we got to the crux of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I just feel strongly that we as African-Americans, as you said, must overcome the stigma of going and getting professional help. Exactly. I so agree with that. I so agree with that. Because if you're trained and um, you're in that profession and you really care about the clients that you deal with, it should end on a positive note, you know? And if you go, and let me just throw this out there. If you go to one counselor or therapist and you know, you're just not gelling. There are many more out there, you know, that you can find. In fact, we have read where, um, black couples have said that they have gotten more positive results when they've gone to other black therapists because of the culture, you know, um, connection, connection that they have with one another. So if you try one therapist and no, it didn't seem to gel or you're all just whatever, happened um was not to your liking just try another one because somebody professionally really could perhaps help your relationship um and that's what we are here to do to help improve relationships and let me let me let me take a minute as we come to a close to talk to the brothers because they're the ones we're the ones oftentimes who we just don't want to go and sit down and talk to anybody. We don't want to go talk to the pastor if there are marital issues. So we don't, true. We don't want to go talk with the with the psychologist or the therapist. No, I'm a man. I'm I'm you know I, I ain't got to go talk to nobody. I know what's going on. I, 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 all that stuff. That brothers is so very counterproductive. As much as many of us have gone through. Men and women, as African-Americans, Tony, having many of us been abandoned by our fathers, abandoned by our mothers, many of us have been the victims of abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, sexual abuse. Yes. Many of us have been the victims of racism and and so much. Being African-American, we deal daily with these with the with this microaggression, all of this stuff, just li- just being black in America, we oftentimes would greatly benefit from professional help. Yes, I totally agree with that. Totally agree. And brothers, you've got to get over this thing about not wanting to sit down and get any professional help or some counseling from someone because you're a man. 
Okay, you a man, but you're human. Thank you. You're Thank human you. and you have emotions. And those emotions have been damaged and hurt. You need help. Yes. I'm pleading with you. Get help. Get help. Before you get to the point of murdering your wife or murdering someone else. Yes. Or harming someone else. Get some help. Get help. Get help, brothers. Amen. 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 I'm sorry. No, right there, amen, but, amen. You know, I just know us men, we have those those walls up, those defenses up. And it oftentimes spills over into just total violence. That's, That's why right. we get so violent with each other. Mm-hmm. That's why homicide is the leading cause of death with black men. Because we're dealing with so much bottled up, pent up, damaged emotions and yeah. feelings and, and, and pain hurt fears that we were never able to get out because that is not something that black men do. Well, it's time we start doing it. Amen. 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 Thank you for that. And I believe that someone out there has listened, is listening and is going to act on what we're saying. Get you some help. If you need professional help in Jesus name. Amen. So We're going to stop here, sweetheart, and the next time we're going to pick up and talk more about the consequences of of these unresolved stages of conflict. And we're also going to end on giving some some ways to overcome them. Yes. Right. Because at the end of the the, the cures, because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, that's what we're mostly interested in doing. Exactly. Okay. Seeing folks overcome this. And have a wonderful, blissful, great marriage and family. It is so beautiful. We've had one for 32 years. Again, doesn't mean we haven't had all kinds of issues. We have. Amen. But we have overcome each one of them um, using a lot of what we're talking about now. Absolutely. Praise God. So that brings us to the close of this episode. Any parting words? No, I just appreciate um, being up here with you again. So this is the end of episode two. I've enjoyed it. I hope our listeners are benefiting from the information we're given. And we look to um, get back with you all for part three real soon. Amen. God bless you. I love you, sweetheart. Love you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. That Corbin and Corbin legal team Fighting for the rights of the people That father daughter team Investing in the youth When the system ain't treating them equal Providing truth for our people We able to reach them So anytime you get accused for a crime And Lord knows you ain't do it We here to get you through it Exemplifying prudence And glorifying God Making sure you're compensated For other people's doings Our vision is to be one of the best We're small enough to focus on your matter Throughout the neighborhoods of Dallas Working constantly and making sure your rights are protected A firm team of lawyers, aggressive, effective. A team that has your back in the courtroom. Two well-spoken black lawyers in the courtroom. Investing time and resources when it's evident that you were treated wrong. Now you walking out of Dallas courtroom with a settlement. Corbin and Corbett, the father-daughter legal tag team that has your back in the courtroom. Our purpose is simple. To obtain a favorable outcome for each client and glorify Christ in all we do.